five, Terry Saul Show. Five, roll tape. Four, cue Terry. Three, bring audio up. Two, stand by. One, play intro. Stay tuned for the Terry Soul Show, Soltissimo, on Salem's original radio station, 104.3 and 1220 AM, KSLM. Well, good morning, and welcome to the Terry Soul Weekend Show on Salem's original radio station, KSLM AM and FM. I am your host, and I'm so glad that you joined us. Amanda Smith is in studio with us. Good morning, Amanda. Good morning, Terry. How are you? I'm doing fine, thank you. You brought a guest in. I did. So I brought in Jason Conrad, who is the franchise owner of the Salem Capitals. Good morning, Jason. How are you? Good morning. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Wait a minute. Now, stop here. I, you got, I got to ask this. Oh, How gosh. tall are you? Uh, I am seven foot on the dot. He is really? everybody's favorite seven footer. I am indeed. <laughs> In my dreams, I would be seven feet. I'd be, <laughs> my dreams, I'd like to be six feet. Right? Not even, anyhow. That's all right, man? Terry. Excellent. Glad to be here. All right. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I am the franchise owner of the Salem Capitals, and for those of you that don't know what the Salem Capitals are, we are the professional basketball team here in Salem. You had a pretty good season last year, didn't you? We had a great first season, absolutely. Yeah. So what made you start that? Um, So I actually played in this league in its first year in existence in 2019 and retired after that season. And I was actually brought onto this team as the community engagement director and business development. And two months before the season started, I had a unique opportunity to purchase the team from the original owner, and it's exactly what I did. That's pretty cool. What's involved in purchasing a, a sports team? Lots I mean, of money. The Denver, Broncos, <laughs> the Denver Broncos were recently sold for in the billions, what, $4 billion or something recently? Yeah, we'll be worth that much hopefully one day because then uh-huh. I'll definitely sell. Okay. But um, no, we're, we're a little bit uh, lower scale than that. So no, it was, uh, especially for it being a new league, it's just, uh, you know, building equity every year. And hopefully at some what, point. What were some of the hoops that you had to jump through in order to purchase a, a Oh, I like team. how you did that, the hoops. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just going through the league and then making sure that my deal with the original team market owner, everything panned out. And then obviously having the funds to do so. So yeah. Other than the funds, who did you have to get the go ahead from? The, 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 the or, league. Or the league itself? The league, and then... They vote on you? Yeah, well, luckily, um, I was the uh, spirit of the game winner when I played, and that's the person most involved with their community out of every player in the league. Yeah. So I was on a first-name basis with um, David and Evelyn Magley, who own the league. Okay. And um, Where are they based out of? Indiana. Okay. So I was able to talk with them, and they they already knew who I was, and I had their support from day one, so... You didn't have their support. You had their check for them. Well, that well, no, because the <laughs> right. the team was bought by the original owner to them. So then I oh, okay. had to pay the original owner. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Team's doing okay. I mean, you had a great season. Great, yeah. So um, how it works is everyone's on a one-year contract, so those guys that played last season get invited back to training camp but now have to earn their spot back on the team because we have a lot of other guys coming out. So we just had our first tryout. We had decent showing. We only picked up three guys for training camp. Two of them were actually from different teams last season. So we we definitely have a uh, good culture within our team, and, you know, guys want to go somewhere where they're going to have fun, but – little things like getting paid on time and getting merchandise to wear and mm-hmm. getting fed yeah. you know it's yeah. all these little things that people take so, for granted how many how many guys are on your team this season so you have a 12 man roster usually this okay. season we're going to do our original roster but then we're also going to bring in five practice players and eng- community engagement members okay and do you have to house them uh, no i don't house some teams will house but i'm not in a position to do that at this point in time they get salary and they get per diem i pay for all their travel 
and yeah, That's and then you cool. tell them, you know, find your own place to live. Yeah, pretty much. Um, what do they normally like rent an apartment? Because it's not going to be year round. So let's do it during so the season. So last year we had everyone was local for the most part. We had um, Montego Alford, who was our point guard. He's a, he came from Boise, but his in laws live in Beaverton, so he okay. was able to stay with them. And then Jalen Smith who's from South Carolina, he had someone out here that he stayed with. So guys sure. guys make it work That's for cool. sure. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's who you can hang out with. Yeah. Right. So you go to Kaiser Chamber. With, I do. And I see you there. And so um, a few weeks ago, you were the presenter, and you kind of told your story and your journey of where you started, what you've been through, and how you got to where you are today. And it really impacted me Mm because it was a really powerful story. Yeah. And so that's why I invited you in here to share a little bit with us. Yeah, no, absolutely. I definitely took a very unorthodox route to get to where I am today. And a big part of that um, has been my mental health journey. Mm -hmm. My mental health journey started in 2008 when it wasn't something that was necessarily discussed. I'm going to jump back a little bit before that. Growing up, awesome childhood. I was the the house where all my friends would stay over. My parents were very involved. They were part of the Chamber of Commerce, part of City Council, owned where, a big business. Um, Morgan Hill, Gilroy, California. Okay. Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Morgan Hill? Yep. Granada Theater? Oh, yeah. I spent many of... You're the one. It was me. It was I me. I uncle owned that theater. Oh, really? Yeah. I okay. lived in Morgan Hill for years. I went to Live Oak High School. That's where my mom and sister went. Really? Yeah. I just knew become best friends. We might have. We just... We, <laughs> matter yeah. of fact, I think we threw you out of the theater one day. You might have. Big tall guy. I wasn't always <laughs> tall. I wasn't tall until after Morgan Hill. Yeah. Really? <laughs> where, you where, did a... you, where did you live in Morgan Hill? Um, I lived uh, right off Diana. Okay. So... Downtown. Um, a little bit out of Kind of. I was like, I mean, you had the freeway. I was right down the street from Live Oak. Yeah. The but old Live Oak or the new one? There's only one. No. There's not a new Live Oak. There's Sobrato, which is no. the... There was an old Live Oak right on Monterey Road. That's the one I went to. And then they built the new one. Oh, well, I'm not that old then. <laughs> <laughs> Interview was over. <laughs> I gotta go. Yeah. But yeah, so I grew up in... Morgan Hill, and then got in some trouble and moved to Gilroy. I School got into District. some trouble in Morgan Hill too. Uh-huh. It seems to be That's a trend out there. Here. Yep, there you go. <laughs> right. Now it makes sense so why how, I'm here. So right. how, how did you end up here from from Morgan Hill? Um, I, mean, I took a wrong turn. And came up here. How did you end up here? So I ended up finishing school in the Gilroy School District. Went to Gilroy High School. Going into my senior year, I was one of the top recruits in the nation. I was a McDonald's preseason All-American. I had talked to Bobby Knight on the phone when he was at Texas Tech. My first college letter was from Lorenzo Romar when they were University of Washington was ranked number eight in the nation. And so going into my senior year, um, was doing really well. And four games in, I shattered my ankle. Oops. And um, How did you do that? In a game. Um, I went up to dunk. I have it on film, too. Some kid pulls on the back of my jersey, and my toe just caught on the ground. And my foot went forwards, but my body was completely uh, flat on the ground backwards. Uh, yeah, just, it wasn't you just fun. just hearing it. Yeah. I mean, it hurts to hear it. Oh, yeah. They cut my shoe off in the ambulance, and it just blew up and looked like a volleyball. It was oh, gnarly. Wow. So, you know, to a lot of these bigger programs, I was considered damaged goods. Oh. And right. Portland State was still interested. So okay. I ended up signing with Portland State and went on a full ride. 
and ended up moving out here, got into the dorms, and then I was in the dorms for about a week. And I've always been a very hyperactive person. That's just kind of been my personality since I was young. And I was just going in these phases, like I was high, then I was low, I was high, then I was low. And I had no idea what was going on. I was like, oh, this is, you know, part of puberty. This is just what, what right. people, what everyone goes through, right. or, or so I thought. 18. Okay. So after about a week of being in the dorms, I was just at my kind of tipping point and went into the coach's office and I said, hey, here's what's going on. This was, again, back when mental health awareness wasn't a thing and it wasn't talked about. You know, I won't say what they said, but for lack of better words, they just said I was being a big baby about it. And um, I was just struggling big time. So I gave up my full scholarship on the spot in the coach's office and went straight to the hospital because that's how that's how bad I was feeling. Really? And What, uh, what, what were you feeling? Depressed, overwhelmed, anxious, and then it would go away. Was and it I'd, because of your, your, your play, the way you were playing your, your game? No, it was just... Just you personally? Just me personally. And, okay. um, yeah, I mean, I was, I was, I'm, I've always been a pretty confident person no matter what I'm doing, especially with basketball. Okay. Um, and so I had no idea what was going on. So I went to the hospital, talked to some therapists, went through some testing, and was diagnosed bipolar. Okay. And then it turned into this whole other world of how do I navigate through this. Okay. For for our listeners that may not know, tell me what bipolar um, is. So I have I have a chemical imbalance and I have extreme highs and lows and it's okay. nothing I can necessarily control and it's like the flip of a switch. I I can be like in the best mood ever and then all of a sudden just like drop mentally and just be depressed and not want to talk and I mean I remember you know, when I was first going through this, it'd be like, I'd be on a super high and bouncing off the walls. And then that night I'd just be like sitting in the bathtub with all my clothes on. Huh. It, it was just very extreme in the beginning. So are, are you still now today considered bipolar? Yeah. It's, okay. it's something I'll always You'll always have. Be, all right. Yeah. So do you take medication to help control it? So I starting out, Yes, that was the the first thing I had to do was navigate medication. And with that type of medication, it's like, all right, which side effects are you willing to be okay with? Right. And I was at that point in time having trouble sleeping and I was thinning as a rail. I couldn't gain any weight. And so I was put on this medication where the two main side effects were drowsiness and weight gain. I was like, oh, okay, cool, perfect. So I ended up leaving the dorms. When I left the dorms, my parents ended up moving out here with me in 2008 because economy had crashed. Um, their business went under, and so we're all like, oh, fresh start. We're all just going to move out here. That's awesome. They followed. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. Um, but the day I moved into the dorms, they moved into a one-bedroom apartment in downtown Portland. So it's like, all right, well, where do I go? So I had made some fr- – so I left this out. I finished the last month of my senior year at Aloha High School. Okay. okay. Um, so I met some people out here. One of my friends and their parents allowed me to move in, so I had to – get a job. I had to pay rent. I had to go to doctor's appointments. I didn't have a car at that point in time. You had to grow up pretty fast. I did. Um, so, um, her mom helped me get a job, um, working security at Ross. Okay. Okay. Um, had to take the bus everywhere. Of course, that was the first time I had ever been in snow. And in 2008, (laughs) we had the record snowfall. So I remember walking to the bus stop one day and just falling through the ice and because it had snowed and then it rained and then it snowed. So I was crunching on the ice. No, no. So, uh, That was an experience. Then I sat at the bus stop for an hour and a half before I realized that it wasn't going to show up. Um, (laughs) So, um, yeah, so I had to figure out, you know, just what I was going to do. And I 
got put on a medication. You know, I will never tell anyone not to go on meds, but this medication, I mean, I want to say it did its job as far as me not feeling depressed or hitting a manic episode, but it made it so I didn't feel anything. And it was really hard for me to go from having extreme emotions to almost having no emotion. Just be numb. So how many different medications did you have to experience until they got it right? I went through five different meds and combos of those meds together. Over how long of a period? Um, From 2008 to 2016. Wow. And so in 2016, I just, I couldn't find the right combo and I was still having this numb, numbness. And, you know, unfortunately there's, you trying to cope. I found all the, the wrong ways to cope. Um, For instance? Drinking, drugs, um, just, uh, you know, out doing things I shouldn't have been doing. And so I, you know, had a aha moment um, with something that happened and it's like, all right, now I need to, I'm going to make a promise to myself that if I go off meds, I'm only going to cope in healthy and productive ways. And so since 2016, I've been medication free and I've only coped in healthy and productive ways. And so you're don't, not taking any medication nope. now at all? And I still hit my highs and lows, but now I've you know, had time to figure out myself and mm-hmm. figure out when I'm going to. So now I can almost physically feel when I'm going to hit a high, when I'm going to hit a low. And here's what I, here's what I'm going to do. And here's who I'm going to contact when I hit a high, here's what I'm going to do. And here's who I'm going to contact when I hit a low. So I have all these basically programs implemented for whatever situation I'm going to be in. You, you said that you're going to contact people. How do you, who, who is it you're contacting? Um, I, I've just family, built a friends, yeah, medical family or? and friends. Just a support system. Yeah, support system. Mm-hmm. So I have a very small circle of people that I will talk to that can kind of bring me to a balanced place. Yep. All right, we need to take a short break. When we come back, more with today's special guest. You're listening to The Terry Saul Show on 104.3 FM, 1220 AM. We are KSLM. Today's show, it's being brought to you by the Lule Group, Lule's Car Connection, Don Lule Homes, and Teresa Lule, State Farm Insurance. Back in just a minute. Stick around. Hey, this is Terry Saul, Saltissimo. Are you in the market for a new car? Well, if so, I encourage you to do what I do. Head down to Lule's Car Connection. Lule's has been selling quality vehicles for over 30 years. Lule's brokers any new vehicle selling within dealer invoice. But check this out. Lule's has financing with most major lenders and credit unions. So do what I do. Stop by Lule's Car Connection located at 2055 Mission Street in Salem and tell them Saltissimo sent you. Lule's Car Connection. You're listening to The Terry Saul Show on KSLM AM and FM. Brought to you today by the Lule Group. We're back in five, four, Q Terry, two, one, you're on. You're listening to The Terry Saul Show on KSLM AM and FM. Brought to you today by the Lule Group. Hey, this is Terry Saul, Saltissimo. You know, when it comes time to move into a new home, it's time to consider Don Lule Homes. The Lule difference is simply setting the bar for quality service in Salem. Find out today about custom-built new homes. Don Lule Homes offers open floor plans, quality craftsmanship, and over 50 years of excellent experience in new construction. Beautiful 
Affordable homes are coming soon. Call today and ask for Erica at 503-428-6992. Don Lule Homes. Welcome back. This is the Terry Saw Weekend Show. Amanda Smith is hanging out with us, and we're talking with Jason Conrad, who is from the Salem Capitals you know basketball it. team. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> and we were talking a little bit before we uh, we went into that last break about mental. What is, what is the proper term? Um, awareness. I don't care. Mental? mental health awareness, or yeah, mental illness. I mean, okay. you were diagnosed as, as bipolar. Yep. And you're clear to talk about it you, it doesn't bother you to talk about it, does it no um it it took a lot of building up though mm-hmm. um it was something that you know for a lot of years like i said mental health wasn't topic of discussion right. and then actually you know with i want to say within like the last what five years it's become more and more present and a lot of professional athletes are now you know coming out and talking about their experiences you know i like to tell people i love everything that athletes do on the mental health platform, but at the same time, these are multimillionaires with unlimited resources. And so I feel like when I talk about it, it's a lot more relatable because I had to go through the having insurance and not having insurance and, you know, having to pay $900 out of pocket for 30 pills. Oh my that, gosh. Oh yeah. That'll and, make you depressed all in yeah, itself. Yeah, absolutely. And especially with money being one of the top triggers for people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's been uh, interesting to navigate over the years, but I got to a point where I realized that I can do some good, you know, regardless if, it, if it's for one person or a multitude of people. Like if I can make a difference in someone's life for the better, then I have zero issues telling my story. And it's still hard for me to talk about sometimes. And I've found that stuff I've gone through has become really easy for me to talk about stuff I'm going through. I still have a really difficult time talking about it. Are you going through? Uh, oh, every I'm. I feel like everyone's always going through something. Amen. So yes, right. absolutely. I'm. I'm going through it. Mine's usually divorces. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like I'm always going through a divorce. Oh, I'm right. I've been divorced twice, so I feel you. <laughs> yeah, I can top that. I've been divorced twice and married the same woman a second time. Oh, yeah. I won't do that. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us a little bit about your journey on. So you came to Portland. That was in 2008. Yep. Okay. And then. Um, So I. Did you get a lot of fights? Did you fight a lot? Yeah. So let me let me backtrack a little bit. So growing up, I grew up in a predominantly Hispanic community. And, you know, with predominantly Hispanic communities, you get predominantly Hispanic gangs. Mm hmm. And um, so in the Morgan Hill Gilroy area, you had Norteños and Serenos, and then you go San Jose, and you have Latin Kings, and you just, I mean, you know, whatever you can think of. It gets ugly in San Jose. It, oh, yeah, yeah. So I was in middle school, and my core teacher that taught English and history was blind. Um, so she always had an aide in the class with her. My best friend at that point in time was, you know, one of these affiliates with a gang, and he... Um, was my person I hung out with all the time. And I didn't know any better. You know, I was 12 years old and skinny white kid and an athlete, and I was very unsuspecting of most things. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, I was a little rambunctious, don't get me wrong, because I've always been, like I said, that very hyperactive kid, but I don't think anyone would look at me and think, oh, troublemaker. Right. So I was in class, and the aide stepped out to talk to one of the yard duties. This girl who was dating someone from an opposing side of where my friend was, she pulled his sweatshirt off of his shoulder, and she had it. And then I pulled it off of her shoulder and threw it back to him. And that, I, I promise that's all that happened. 
Um, and then she ended up leaving the class. And then about 15 minutes later, two police officers came and pulled me out of class. It's always the second guy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Always the second guy. Um, so I just remember walking with them and walking by the vice principal's office and them taking pictures of her neck, which had welts around it. Whoa. And I'm like, what the? Yeah. The story was, was that I had taken it and was choking her with it. Oh, geez. And the, basically the conclusion of this whole thing was that they were going to believe her over me because she was a girl. Mm-hmm. They could have talked to any freaking person in that class and known that that wasn't the story. So, I, you know, that was halfway through the school year, got kicked out of school, and then I homeschooled, which I didn't do anything. Right. Um, and then my best friend at that point in time, he's like, well, if you're not in school, I'm not going to go to school. Oh, gosh. Um, so it just ended up being us. You know, I was a little skater kid at that point in time. Parents were super busy. They had just um, expanded their business into a huge warehouse. And again, they've always been very trusting. I hadn't done anything for them to not trust me. Right. And so we used to go around and just get in all kinds of trouble. And I don't think I realized the consequences of what I was doing. And, you know, how old were you then? 12. 12 years old? Um, You know, just going around picking fights. Um, So I was, I remember skateboarding home one day, and there were these three guys sitting by Diana Park, um, which I had to skate by to get home. And one of them just blindsides me. So I'm on the floor, covering my face, trying not to get kicked in the head. And I remember standing up and get smacked across the face with my skateboard. Oh, my gosh. And um, so I remember coming to and them running down the back alley and a car pulled up, rolled their window down, asked if I was okay. I said, yeah. And then they drove off and I walked home. And so my best friend likes to tell me that if I didn't have bad luck, I would have no luck at all. Well, I did have good luck that day because my tooth got knocked out and then called the dentist. And he's like, well, I'll try to push it in, see if it'll reroute. So there was like the 19% chance or whatever of it. So it's in there. It's sideways, but it's in there. Okay. Um, so, yeah, there, I, had, I had that going for <laughs> the me. The good old life in Morgan here, yeah. you know? Um, you got to love it. But then I was just kind of angry at that point. I think that's when I would just go out looking for trouble. Um, so months went on and still hanging out with the same people. Um, that was kind of the golden year is not right, the rebel year. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically that was, you know, I was introduced to sex, drugs, and drinking at 12. Yeah. And it just became... What was your drug of choice? um, At that point in time, it was weed, which obviously now wouldn't be a big thing, but back then obviously was. How does a 12-year-old score some weed? I was running Running with with the the crowd that that, was very accessible. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, then it just, you know, the, the drugs kind of evolved from that but later on in life right we need to take a short break when we come back more with today's special guest today's show it's being brought to you by the lule group lule's car connection don lule homes Teresa lule state farm insurance more in just a moment stick around you're listening to the terry saul show on kslm am and fm brought to you today by the lule group we're back in five four q terry two one, you're on. You're listening to The Terry Saul Show on KSLM AM and FM. Brought to you today by the Lule Group. 
Hey, this is Terry Saul, Saltissimo. Are you in the market for a new car? Well, if so, I encourage you to do what I do. Head down to Lule's Car Connection. Lule's has been selling quality vehicles for over 30 years. Lule's brokers any new vehicle selling within dealer invoice. And check this out. Lule's has financing with most major lenders and credit unions. So do what I do. Stop by Lule's Car Connection located at 2055 Mission Street in Salem and tell them Saltissimo sent you. Lule's Car Connection. We are back. This is the Terry Saul Weekend Show, Salem's original radio station, KSLM AM and FM. I am your host, Amanda Smith, has joined us, and we're talking with Jason Conrad from the Salem Capitals basketball team. Yes, yes. So you came to Portland, and then what happened from there? Um, So left Portland State, worked for a year, working security at Ross, and then... uh, you know, on top of the navigating medication, I was then, you know, coping in ways I shouldn't have been through drugs and alcohol because, again, the drug or the medication just kind of left me feeling numb. And it's like I'd rather feel something than nothing mm-hmm. at all. So I um, had a call from one of my best friends. So he was my high school history teacher and assistant basketball coach and to this day is one of my best friends still. Oh, that's cool. Him and his wife have done a ton for me over the years, but he hit me up. He's like, dude, what are you doing? And I was like, I have no idea. He goes, well, are you going to go back to school? What's the game plan? Because I think at that point in my head, basketball was done. Right. So I just wanted the college experience. So he's like, hey, so me and my wife, we met at Chico. Have you ever been to Chico? And I was like, no. He goes, well, it's if you want the social experience, that's where you go. So I remember I went, um, flew out to his house in Hollister, then we drove to Chico. It was almost like, you know, now at this point, I'm 19 years old, and it was like driving through a scene of like Van Wilder or American Pie or Animal House. It was mm-hmm. like girls in bikinis on slip and slides playing flip cup <laughs> and in the front yard. And I'm like, yeah, this is Sign where I want to go to school. <laughs> What's going on in Chico? This is Chico. Okay, Chico is, is, is Northern California. Yeah, right by Sac- hour and a half outside of Sacramento. Can you give me the address of that house where you <laughs> thought to drive by Chico? You quit it. Remember, okay. you're married. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Um, <laughs> went out to get lunch, and while we're at lunch, this guy walks up to me and he goes, hey, you're Jason Conrad. And I was like, yeah. He goes, oh, well, my name's Greg Clink. I'm actually the basketball coach here. So I ended up talking to him. He's like, oh, what happened with Portland State? And I wasn't going to tell him that I How, how did I, he know who you were? Because I was a high-profile player, and he was from my hometown. Got it. Um, and he's the basketball coach. So I'm sure I was on their radar. Right. At some point. At some yeah. point. So I talked with him for a little bit and he goes, well, if you decide to come here, there's a full scholarship waiting for you. And wow. I was like, oh, okay. So parted ways. I thought about it. And then I think I gave him a call like 10 minutes later. I was, <laughs> yeah. So you thought about it very for hard about it. Yeah. Yeah. So signed letter of intent, went to Chico, you know, so I got to Chico it was one of the top party schools in the nation, and, you know, I was already kind of living that lifestyle, and I've always been a very... Why do you have a grin on your face? When you're <laughs> He's reminiscing. I've, I've, I mean, I've always been a very, I like to say, ahead of the trends. Okay. Um, I had tattoos in high school. I had a big mohawk in high school. I had, you know, my lip, my tongue, my ears, my eyebrow. I've had everything pierced. I was a right. punk rock kid growing up. So I got to Chico my first day of freshman year. I was 302 pounds just because I, was, I wasn't fat. I was just big. 302 pounds, seven foot, sleeved up, mohawk. So You're a I remember standing in, and one of the things was it was your freshman year, you had to live in the dorms. Okay. And so I had taken all this time off from school and I was going to be turning 21 in the dorms. So I remember standing in this girl and her parents standing in front of me and just kind of like side eyeing me and looking up. And they're probably like, <laughs> whose dad is this? Like, yeah. 
I ended up marrying her five and a half years later. There you go. Okay. <laughs> there you All go. Right. We had met first day of freshman year. I can honestly say without her, not a chance I would have gotten through school. College was a little more fine-tuned for me, but, you know, the, the mental side of it, she definitely helped keep me Grandpa. stable. There was a lot of navigation through medication at that point in my life. Being at Chico, awesome school. And it was like in Forbes magazine for, you know, top 20 schools of making the most income once you graduate because companies figure you can compartmentalize between partying and everyday life and school. And so I think they just, right. as far as work ethic, they're like, oh, if you can graduate from Chico, you can, you know, have a work-life balance. But, you know, with that type of atmosphere, there's obviously accessibility to basically whatever you want. Fell into this loophole of, again, drugs and drinking. I think, you know, luckily I was playing sports because we had half of our team get drug tested my freshman year. And I was not in that half that got drug tested. Hmm. I would have failed miserably. And, um, you know, basically scared me straight. Right. To where I was like, nope, nothing. No, no, nothing. Because there goes your scholarship. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I was 21 my freshman year in the dorms. I was still able to drink. So I remember my RAs being younger than me and me sneaking alcohol into the dorms for my RAs. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So went through college. Um, I was a studio art major with an emphasis in painting. Art was my first love and will forever be my biggest love. Didn't have a spectacular college career as far as basketball. Um, I probably would have transferred if it wasn't for my girlfriend at the time. And I think that once I was done with my senior year of basketball, I was just going to be done with basketball. Um, I had an opportunity to go play summer league with the Sacramento Kings in Sacramento and did really well. Got invited to a pro tour in China and then two weeks later signed to go play in the Netherlands. That's and cool. that was my first paid gig. And the cool part about that is my mom actually immigrated here from the Netherlands. Oh, nice. That's even so cooler. I got to see where she was born, where my grandparents grew up. Being an art major, MC Escher was my favorite artist. I got to drink beer in Rembrandt Square, go to the Van Gogh Museum. And just from a cultural standpoint, it was awesome. Um, so she, we got married two months before I was supposed to leave. In my head, she was supposed to go with me, and then she ended up staying to get her teaching credential. You know, loyalty has always been a big thing for me, and I ended up slipping up when I was in Europe, cheated, had the conversation with her when she came out to visit. We decided to work through things. So I got back, and we came back to Chico. So then it was kind of back in this, like, party atmosphere And I remember being at a house party, you know, hanging out with the basketball team because there was a bunch of guys on the team that I had played with. Leaving the party, and one of she was my wife at that now that point in time was in a sorority, and one of her sorority sisters was being yelled at by an ex boyfriend, big 6'5, 240 guy. So she goes over and like pushes this guy, my wife, (laughs) and pulls her friend. And this guy comes and literally lifts her up and throws her in the street. Throws your wife. My wife, oh. yes. And then I just see Brad. Okay, so he's only 6'5". You're seven foot. Yeah. That's just not going to happen. Yeah. Well, and so, you know, I run over and punch him in the face, and he, you know, falls backwards and hits his head. And I had a buddy growing up whose brother did that, punch someone. He hit his head on the curb and died. Yeah, And his brother was in jail. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. And this dude woke up crying, asking why I hit him. I was like, bro, are you serious? Like, <laughs> And um, I think that was kind of a catalyst for me to just start spir- spiraling downward. Um, I was struggling mentally. I feel like I just wasn't 
good for anyone. I was just I had I was just becoming a burden for people. Um, so my way of protecting my wife at that point in time was to leave. I leave leave your wife or leave, leave my Chico? wife. Leave okay. my wife. Okay. I didn't okay. I, you know I didn't think that she would get what she needed out of life with me in her life. Okay. okay. Um, so I ended up moving back with my best friends, parents, and Morgan Hill. Again, just downward spiral. And I remember I went to my favorite childhood park and I sent out my goodbye texts and I slit my wrists. Whoa. And I was, you know, I think at that point in time, just happy it was all going to be over. I was just over everything. It was overwhelming for me and I just wanted everything to end. And, you know, thank God for technology. Were you, were you high at the time? Nope. I was, totally I was just depressed. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like I said, thank God for technology. So my ex-wife had tracking on her phone of my phone still. Oh, good. And so they were able they to. They have a way of doing that, mm-hmm. you know. So they were able to find me before I bled out. And I had to go do the whole psych hold in the hospital. And, sure. you know, I don't want to say I feel like I had to go through that to. It was part of my journey. Mm-hmm. Looking back mm-hmm. at it, it was part of my journey to help me navigate through things I was going to go through later on in life. And so I got through that. Was that the lowest part or the lowest point in your life? No. Um, okay. I'll get to the, yeah. So went through that. And then I think it was like two or three months later, left for my next season. Went and played in Canada. Went and played in Moncton, New Brunswick. And it was negative 26 degrees, and I was coming from California. That contract ended up not working out. I ended up getting sent home, and then I think it was like two weeks later, went and got picked up by a team in Perth, Australia. Oh, wow. So then I was, you know, 80 degrees, (laughs) beach, you know, 10 minutes in three directions. (laughs) Um, Did that, came home, went and visited my parents in Portland, and then I... uh, was like, oh, I'm, you know, single. I'm going to hop on a dating app, see if I anyone to hang out with out here. Ended up meeting a girl, had a one-year-old kid, didn't graduate high school, didn't have a job, didn't have a driver's license, lived at home. I was like, she's perfect for me. <laughs> and, um, you know, my therapist likes to say I found someone to take care of so I didn't have to take care of myself. Oh, mm. yeah. And uh, so was with her for a year. And by the time we broke up, I had taught her how to drive. I watched her son so she could go back to school. She was in college at that point. Um, she had a job, and the only thing is she was still working at home. And then on to my next season, and I left and went and played in Germany. And then after Germany, I got invited to go play a streetball tour in China. That was, you know, an interesting experience that I will definitely tell you guys so when you, we So you basically, you, your, your basketball career, you've... All over. All over the world. I played in nine different countries altogether. Good for yeah. you. That's impressive. Good for you. That is super impressive. Hey, we need to take a short break. Don't go anywhere. We're just getting warmed up. Today's show brought to you by the Lule Group, Lule's Car Connection, Don Lule Homes, Teresa Lule, State Farm Insurance. More in just a moment. Stick around. You're listening to The Terry Saul Show on KSLM AM and FM. Brought to you today by the Lule Group. And like a good Shopping for car insurance? Get the very best coverage with State Farm agent Teresa Lule in Salem. State Farm keeps you and your family covered with great auto insurance. That's also a great value. Visit online at TeresaLule.com or on Facebook. Better yet, stop in the offices at 890 Commercial Street Southeast in Salem or call 503-378-1100. 
We're back in five, four, Q Terry, two, one, you're on. You're listening to The Terry Saul Show on KSLM AM and FM, brought to you today by the Lule Group. Hey, this is Terry Saul, Saltissimo. You know, when it comes time to move into a new home, it's time to consider Don Lule Homes. The Lule difference is simply setting the bar for quality service in Salem. Find out today about custom-built new homes. Don Lule Homes offers open floor plans, quality craftsmanship, and over 50 years of excellent experience in new construction. Beautiful homes are coming soon. Call today and ask for Erica at 503-428-6992. Don Lule Homes. We are back with our final few minutes. Today's guest has been Jason Conrad from the Salem Capitals. Yep. I, keep, I keep wanting to say senators, but you're not. No, nope. you're not old enough to be a senator. <laughs> the capital. So you went to China. Yeah. So I went to China streetball tour, something I'd never done before. I remember I was supposed to get there, have three days to acclimate to the time change, and then start playing. And I remember I got there. Me and my buddy, who was my point guard in Germany, got off the plane. Team owner was like, "Hey, here's a translator. I sold you. Here's five grand. You're going to go play with this other team." This <laughs> weekend you play in three hours just like like so much for uh yeah yeah. Three-day acclimation. Yeah. This was an awesome experience. Got to play. It was in the middle of winter. Some days it was like five degrees in the morning, and you'd have 5,000 people lining these outdoor courts. Oh, wow. wow. It was, they love basketball over there, and That's they love cool. Americans. And um, <laughs> so we were doing a charity event in Chengdu, and it was kind of my first time ever having culture shock. And I remember driving through, and kids wearing, like, plastic bottles for shoes and houses made out of mud and bottles. And just, wow. you know, these kids had never seen black people before. They were walking up and wiping their finger on them to see if they were dirty. It was, it was intense. One of my favorite things to do, I've played in nine different countries all over the world. Food. Food, food. is a huge thing for me. And so no matter where I'm at, I will eat whatever is local. I'll try it at least twice. I remember we got back to the hotel that night after doing a charity game. And I was like, I for sure have food poisoning. And then after about being in the fetal position for five hours, I was like, I got to get to the hospital. Yeah. Went to the hospital. Surgeons blowing cigarette smoke in my face. They're spitting on the walls. Is is I don't know what was going on. <laughs> They told me that my appendix ruptured and I was like, perfect. Take, you know, take me to Beijing. And they're like, no, you're going to die. You have to do it right here, right now. I remember going into surgery with my street clothes, uh, on two metal tables pushed together, woke up on two metal tables pushed together in a different room in excruciating pain, tube sticking out of my stomach. So went through that. I was there as my own entity. I wasn't part of a team or anything. So I didn't have this team looking out for me. It's like, Hey, we got to move on to the next thing. So I remember translator had to leave. I ended up, you know, long story short, held hostage for six days in this hospital until I paid cash. It's like, I don't have 30 grand on me. Like, what do you mean pay cash? And the long run, it ended up just being a whole misunderstanding because I had showed them, here's what I have. I had two grand in American on me. And they're like, oh, no, 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 cash only, cash only. And so they would leave, lock the door, points I wouldn't see anyone for 18 hours at a time. Wow. That's So terrifying. was able to find a, everything's regulated over there. So found an app I was able to translate through and it ended up being $910. Came home, you know, had to kind of rehab through that, ended up meeting a girl we dated for three months before I left for my next season in Australia. Got to Australia, found out I was going to go straight from Australia to South America back to Europe. So I called her. I was like, hey, we're going to call a spade a spade and we're just going to part ways. So we broke up and then I got a call about a week and a half later that she was pregnant. Being a dad and a husband and all the things, it's always been on my radar. So I said, "What do you want me to send you money? Do you want to come out here? Do you want me to retire? And she wanted me to retire after that season. Played that season, gave up the other two contracts, retired, came home, proposed the day I got home, got married 
married, had a son, got a job, and was kind of living that everyday normal life. Normal life. Fast forward two years, Kingston's two years old. She's a stay-at-home mom. I'm running all the youth programming at Bethany Athletic Club. We went through some stuff. She said, hey, do you want to meet me at Starbucks for lunch one day? And I was like, yeah, let's let's do that. So she sat there in the middle of Starbucks and looked at me and said, he's not yours. And I was like, I gave up $18,000 a month Oops. contracts. I gave up, I paid off your debts. I bought you a car. You're a stay-at-home mom. This three years, you know, of my life. Found out he wasn't mine, that he was my friend's kid, and that they both knew the whole time. Fast forward, was able to find the TBL through all that adversity because I didn't want to stay there. So I went and found the TBL, which is now the league where I own a team. So, you know, I like to tell TBL mean the basketball league. Okay. So, you know, I tell people like the fourth hardest thing I ever went through was being held hostage in China. The third hardest thing I ever went through, my suicide attempt. The second hardest thing I ever went through was finding out he wasn't mine. And the first hardest thing I ever went through was having to say goodbye. I truly believe that if I didn't, if I didn't go through the adversity when I was younger, if I didn't go through the suicide attempt, if I didn't go through some of this other stuff, I wouldn't have known how to navigate getting through this. And I'm pretty positive that I would not be here today if I didn't go through the earlier things, you know. So so where are you at now? What, what's your mindset like right now? That a bad day does not mean a bad life. That oh, I'm gonna, I like that. I'm going to mm-hmm. go through stuff, but, you know, I, I am on this journey and I owe it to myself to see it through till the end. And that I was able to navigate through all this. And once I figured out I didn't have to do it alone, it made it so much easier. Because there's a lot of stuff. I mean, there was stuff my parents didn't know until high school. And there was stuff that there's some stuff I'll probably take to my grave with me. And there's some stuff that I'm sure I'm going to go through that I, I'm going to know how to navigate because I have people in my corner and I know I'm able to talk with them. What is your highest high been? At what point was your highest high? My hi- my highest high was the day my son was born. Right. That was the first and only time I've ever cried happy tears. But other than that, when I played in Yakima and the TBL, um, I was able to start the largest free after-school art program in the state of Washington. Good for you. Oh, wow. Showed up the first day hoping to have between like 15 and 20 kids. Walked through the doors. I had 97 kids the first day. Wow. Um, so I went every Monday my whole time in Yakima playing that season. And just the uh, you know relationships I was able to build with the kids, relationships I was able to build with with parents, you know, in return, it's like they're coming out to games. We're going, you know, I'm going to people's houses to eat dinner and just talk. And I think just being open about my story, making sure that people know that, you know, they're not alone. That's the biggest thing. You're not a burden and you're not alone. Being able to help people find what their healthy and productive coping mechanisms are. I mean, for me, it's art. Cooking is huge for me. Just being around people and being social. Basketball. Poetry is probably one of my biggest outlets because I'm in this, you know, and it's funny because the only time I write poetry is when I'm super depressed. And you can tell because it starts out and you're like, oh my gosh, what is this guy thinking? And then it starts out super depressing and then it gets a little better and then it usually ends on a happy note. So my whole concept is I'm going to write it out instead of act it out. Okay. Is there, is there anything, any one thing that you, you don't want to hear when you're going through your, your depression time? Don't say, I understand how you're feeling. I know you're feeling because you don't. Right. No, and I don't, I think everyone feels their own way in their unique way. No one will ever feel what I'm, even no matter what the situation situation is we can all have our own perspectives on this same situation but I promise you will never feel how I'm feeling it's just one of those hey I'm here if you need me mm-hmm. type situations has anybody ever reached out to you and say you know what I need to talk 
Oh, yeah. So um, I have it's kind of been put on the back burner since the basketball team, but I have a mental health awareness clothing brand called Luminines. Good for you. On that platform, I would literally look up hashtags bipolar or depression or suicide, and then, you know, you'd be surprised what you find under those hashtags. And I would yeah. reach out to people. I have a girl from Germany that I've, you know, started talking to eight years ago that we still talk to this day. Nice. Well, I'm really and, proud of you yeah. for where you've come and how long, how far you've come and what and what you do for your community and giving back. Yeah, no, absolutely. And thank you, thank you for sharing it. Uh, yeah. I mean, you came on the radio here and, and, and you're, you're sharing your story with us. Real quickly, is there any way people can get in touch with you if they ask some questions? Are they um, yeah, if anyone wants to email me, it's jason at salemcapitalsbasketball.com or you can hit me up on Instagram, creative underscore Conrad. Um, I'm always looking at my messages. I'm always willing to talk and luckily I have this awesome basketball platform so I can then spread the mental health awareness. Right. Absolutely. Uh, we are out of time. Would you come back and uh, join us again sometime? We've got a thousand more questions. Oh, absolutely. Alright, thank you, buddy. Thank you. We're just about out of time for today's show. Remember, you can catch our show every Saturday at 10 a.m. and a replay Sundays at 6 p.m. right here on Salem's original radio station, KSLM. A reminder, if you missed any of today's show or would like to hear any of my shows, you can always hear a podcast on our official KSLM website at www.kslm.news or on my official website at www.terrysaul.com. If you would like to drop me a note, I'd love to hear from you. My email address is terry at kslm.news. We'll see you next time. Take care and be safe. You've been listening to The Terry Saul Show on Salem's original radio station, 104.3 FM and 1220 AM KSLM. Today's show is brought to you by the Lule Group, featuring Lule's Car Connection, Don Lule Holmes, and Teresa Lule's State Farm Insurance. That's a wrap. Thanks, everybody. Good show. Bye, everybody.